Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Hey, table fam, Pastor Doug here. I am so excited to be gathering with you guys digitally. Uh, you guys are watching this on a Tuesday night. We're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, I'm super excited to jump into God's word with you guys. If you have Bibles, go ahead and open them to Acts chapter 1. In this uh, unique season of time we're in, it just seems like the, the way that the Spirit is leading us is to study through the book of Acts. Because as you guys know, the book of Acts uh, is this letter that Luke wrote to the church uh, to read, to understand the history of the church. And the way that the, the church started was much the way that we're in right now. In other words, the conditions of the early church uh, are very much so the same conditions we're under. The early church, there were 3,000 added to their number in one day. There's just this a massive move of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have a centralized gathering space. So they had to meet in homes and they had to meet in smaller groups and they had to meet, as we'll see, around food, fellowship, prayer, and uh, the unpacking of God's word. And they had to come up with unique uh, solutions on the fly. Well, Here's where we are today, and you guys know this, right? Uh, we can't centrally gather anymore. We have to meet in homes, or we have to meet in Zoom chat rooms. Uh, some of you have already jumped into that. And the thing that we have is food, fellowship, praying together, and we've got God's Word. And so I want us to jump into the book of Acts, and I want to ask that God would teach us about what it means to be the church uh, as we jump into the study for the next season of our time together. And so if you have it, go ahead and open it, and then I'll kind of just stop and uh, unpack some things here. Uh, starting in verse 1, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Luke writes, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me stop there. So here's what's going on. Luke wrote his gospel and tells the story about the ministry of Jesus, how he raised up disciples. Probably about this time period, there were between 120 and 200 followers of Jesus at the time of the um, ascension, when, when this moment here when Jesus is ascending up. Um, and there's about to, it's about to go from 200 to 3,200 in a day, right, uh, at the day of Pentecost. And so they're right in the midst of this explosive growth in this chapter, they don't know that that growth is coming. They just know that Jesus said, hey, I'm with you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Things are about to get crazy. Okay. This is a uniquely crazy time for them. They have been with Jesus. He has died. He has been put in a tomb. And then he came back from the dead. That's a pretty crazy experience. And so... After he comes back from the dead, he then ascends, or what he's about to do here, he's ascending into heaven. And this is a really crazy, disorienting experience, which I'm sure you guys can imagine. These are people who are looking around and they're asking this question. Maybe this question sounds familiar for you guys. When is my life going to return to normal? In fact, they're about to ask that question in a unique way here, if we keep reading. Uh, in verse 8, 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, what is that question right there? What they're saying to Jesus before he ascends is, hey, Lord, uh, can you put Israel back on top of the, the political game all over the world? Because if Israel's on top, then we'll return to normal. Israel used to be a major power in the Old Testament uh, under the, the kingdom of David and Solomon. Israel was this mighty power and everything was lavish and people had plenty of food and plenty of work and all these things. And that was normal. Well, then Romans came through and uh, different uh, armies and they occupied Israel. And so what the people have been saying for, for you know, a couple of centuries, in fact, probably four or five centuries is, hey, when is it going to return to normal? And now Jesus is here and he's demonstrated that he's God and he's uh, resurrected from the dead. And they go, hey, are we finally going to return to normal? Are you somewhere today asking that question? I know my family is. We are sitting around going, hey, when is this all going to return back to normal? And if you're like me, you've probably discovered that anytime you ask that kind of question, when are we going to return back to normal? Anytime we have that question, what we're asking is, is really a different question. And it is. When am I going to have the ideal in my life? Normal is whenever I have the ideal in my life. And right now it just doesn't seem like it's normal. And what I'm saying is it doesn't seem like it's very ideal. I want to return back to where everything is idyllic and where everything um, seems to go according to my dream of how it should go. I think part of the problem that we tend to live uh, in this kind of way of thinking is because we live in Orlando, home of the magic kingdom. And so for us, uh, we sit around all the time going, hey, maybe it'll be happily ever after. Maybe I can live in a fairy tale world. And I found, I don't know if you found this, anytime I'm thinking about my normal in terms of the ideal, I'm thinking about it through the lens of a fairy tale. And here's the problem. The life that we live is not a fairy tale. Oh, there are happy times, but there are also sad times. And there are good times, but there's also painful times. In a fairy tale, if we're living in a fairy tale, everyone's either a prince or a princess. And if you look at the lives of princes and princesses, all they do all the time is eat and go to parties and go to sleep. And that's it. And that pretty much describes the way many of us in America and Orlando were living about two weeks ago. We would wake up, we would eat, we would go to work, we would come home, we would sleep, we would go to parties, we would watch Netflix, we would share memes with one another. And it was more or less just this kind of fairy tale life. I think even as bad as it was, it seemed to be pretty great. And a lot of us today are asking the same question the people of God are asking, like, when are we going to return to normal? When will the kingdom of Israel, when will the kingdom of Orlando come back to where it should be? And so the question becomes for us, just like the question was for them, if we can't return to a fairy tale sense of normal, then especially as Christians, as followers of Christ, what can we expect? What can we hope for? And Jesus is about to answer this in verse 7. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they are gazing now into heaven, into the ideal as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking unto heaven? This is Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. And he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, one day. 
So here's the situation. The church is saying, when do we get to go back to normal? And Jesus says, this is your normal. Don't worry about what God's going to do in the future. Today is your normal because what you really long for is heaven. That's why when Jesus goes up into heaven, they're looking at it. They're like, oh, heaven's way over there. Where we are is somewhere different. And so what are we supposed to do as we now recognize we live in something different than the idealized version of heaven? This is where I think all of us are today uh, with this COVID situation. And here's the advice Jesus gives. It's the advice that I want us to meditate on. Jesus said this, you will be witnesses. What do we do when it's not normal, when it's not ideal, when it's not heaven? How do we live between now and heaven? You live as witnesses. We live as witnesses. Now that word there, I should tell you witness, is the Greek term martyr. In other words, uh, you are someone uh, who testifies, who brings testimony about uh, what you've seen and what's happened to you. And the term martyr in the first century in the church became uh, synonymous with people who were killed for testifying about Jesus. Now, I don't think it's going to come to that. Okay, I'm not suggesting that. But I think the answer that Jesus would give to us, how do we live between here and normal, between here and the kingdom? Well, we live as martyrs. We live as people who have died to ourselves and our whole goal, our whole job in life, everything we do from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed is to testify about Jesus and about his kingdom. Okay, that sounds like a lot of pie in the sky, okay? It sounds like we've moved back to a fairy tale. I don't know how I live every day testifying about the goodness of Jesus in the midst of this. I'm trying to make rent. I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to eat food. I'm trying to just get through quarantine with my kids going nuts because of homeschool and all this situation. I'm trying to get through whatever. What does it practically look like to live as witnesses, especially in these times? And the thing that God's been bringing to my mind, the, the, the closest cross reference I can see from this passage to another passage is what Paul gives in terms of recommendation in uh, the, book, the letter to the Philippians. So if you have uh, Bibles or apps, you can swipe over to Philippians 4. Uh, this is the verse I think a lot of us are reading, but I want to read it now in the context of this call of Acts to live as witnesses in this time between now and between the new normal we want in heaven. And here's what Paul writes um, in verse six. Now, chapter four, verse five ends like this. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. And so what Paul is saying again right there is, hey, when you're in that season where you sense the Lord is up to something and he's doing something and everything gets topsy-turvy, you know, he's saying, here's how to live. He's given advice. And so in verse six, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's important. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence or if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. That's the second thing. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so the answer I want to give to the question, what does it look like to be a witness in this time now between here and between heaven? Uh, I think maybe what God might be calling us to is to be witnesses of peace in a crazy time. And so how, how can we be someone who lives as a testimony of the peace that Jesus brings? How can we be peacemakers of the kingdom? How can we be people of peace in the midst of this crazy time? 
Paul gives us kind of a two-fold um, approach to this. He said there are two things that are going to help us be witnesses of peace. Number one, we need to be thankful. And number two, we need to be thinking. Number one, we need to be thankful. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you pray at night, when you pray in the morning, when you pray in the middle of the day because you're going crazy in quarantine, what does it look like to be thankful in your prayers? Uh, I'll give you an example from my own life. When I sit down in the mornings, maybe you're like me, um, I sit down and go, okay, 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 it's time to pray. It's time to pray. And then inevitably, what do I do? Let me first, before I pray, let me open up uh, my Twitter app and see what's going on in the world. And then I read article after article of things. And I go, okay, now I'm more anxious. And I go, okay, let's, let's be less anxious. And then I open my stock app and I go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? And I'm just doing all those things and I'm just so anxious. And then I open, you know, terms like, okay, I'm, don't be anxious about anything, but prayer and petition, thanks, right? Uh, this is the opposite of what Paul is commanding us to do as witnesses of peace, okay? And I'm just gonna admit to you, I'm the worst example of a witness of peace because inside of me, I'm feeling really anxious and I don't know what to do. But here's what's really helped encourage me. It's the thing I have to say to myself. I go, okay, wait, stop. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for my wife. Thankful for my kids. I'm thankful that uh, on Alex's birthday, which is my salvation day, that Jesus broke into my deafness and he pierced through my blindness and he called me out of darkness into his glorious light. And I am saved by grace. And so now nothing that comes against me is going to actually topple me because my destination is this fairy tale called heaven, which is actually true. And so today, no matter what happens, as long as I have Jesus, I'm okay. And I'm thankful for that. And there's just something about being thankful in the midst of praying that makes me go, okay, okay, there's the horizon line. Jesus has got me. I'm going to be okay. Thankful. It's one of the uh, core ingredients of living as a witness of peace. Number two, thinking. I don't know if you've thought about this. As I even say this, that's kind of ironic, right? I don't know if you've ever considered that thinking is a core antidote to anxiety. Thinking is actually a practice of people who live as witnesses of peace. Thinking, not in general, because what I'm doing is I'm anxious, which means I'm thinking about all these things over here. I'm just like, oh, this and there's that, right? Thinking specifically about what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Paul says, think about such things. In fact, he concludes with this, which is interesting in verse seven, uh, I'm sorry, in verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. This is echoing what Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 28 when he says, um, teach them to observe everything I have taught you. Paul is now picking that up and going, hey, I'm gonna tell you what Jesus told me. All these things I've told you, practice these things and you will have peace. And what is it that Paul does? Every time Paul writes a letter, he starts off with theology and then he goes to practical application. And what he says is, think about true things. Think about doctrine. Think about the characteristic of God. Think about the fact that God, as he exists, is primarily great and primarily good and that he has made us in his image to be primarily great and primarily ethically good. And that the way God moves in the world is to love the world lavishly and to call the world into a relationship with him. To think about doctrine actually gives us peace. Why? Why would thinking about doctrine give us peace? Because it helps us to see what is real through the haze of our emotions, which makes things sometimes feel jumbled. And so in Paul's estimation, the way that we can live 
as witnesses of peace in a crazy time is to be incredibly thankful and to be incredibly thoughtful about the way that we live our lives. And so I want to encourage you to think about that uh, and to practice that this week. What would it look like for you to be incredibly thankful? Maybe it means make a list. Maybe it means when you have your phone open, instead of looking at stuff, you stop and you open notes and you go, I'm thankful about this and I'm thankful about this. And to just keep a reminder, uh, a, thank, a thank you list in your own mind about what God's provided for you. And number two, to then uh, consider what it would be like to uh, increase your thinking load uh, and considering what is truth out there um, so that you can, um, in a sense, find your horizon line regularly uh, in the way that you live your life. Uh, I tell the story all the time um, because I like to swim. Um, and so quite often I'll go swimming. And uh, if you know anything about me, I like to exercise hardcore. Uh, I like to hurt my body exercising. In fact, it's not a good exercise unless I throw up when I'm done, uh, which tells you a little bit about my psyche. But um, oftentimes I'll get in the pool and I'll swim. And when you're doing laps, you know, you're swimming down and you hit the wall and you kick flip and you come back and you kick flip and you go back. And if you're doing tons of reps, when you get done, there's a sense when you come out of the pool and it's just the world is jumbly. And so if you're ever in an indoor pool, they will draw a line on the wall. Okay. And that line is your horizon line. And what swimmers are trained to do is, is if they're ever feeling jumbly, if they ever feel like they're going to throw up, if they're ever getting dizzy and nauseous, you, know, you stop in the pool, you lean against the wall, and you find the horizon. And so everything that's just kind of dizzy starts to slowly come into focus until you can actually kind of regain uh, your sense of balance. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, the best thing that we can do as God gets ready to send us into the world to be witnesses, is to be ambassadors, to be uh, people who testify about peace in the way that we remain thankful, in the way that we think correctly about who Jesus is and his reality. And so I want to encourage you with that this week. And next week we'll pick up uh, in the back half of chapter one, maybe. So... There are going to be some discussion questions that are going to come up on your screen later on or uh, going to be emailed to you. I want to thank you guys for joining us here. Um, you know, we will have some chat options after this. I'd love for you to jump in a Zoom chat with us later so we can talk about next steps. But thanks for joining with us on this live stream.